Our gospel for today is the story of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating, him, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, Go and do likewise. Please be seated. We thank you, God, for gathering us together this morning on this cold morning and the winter, with the winter sky. Gather our hearts. Gather our minds. Gather us around your word and around your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And who is my neighbor? That is the question that the lawyer asked Jesus in order to justify himself. And Jesus, as he often did, responds with a story, the story of the Good Samaritan where a man is robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road running from Jerusalem to Jericho, which was a treacherous road, a steep 18-mile rocky path. First, a priest approaches and then passes by on the other side. Next, a Levite, who is also a religious leader, assesses the scene and passes by again on the other side. Finally, a Samaritan stops to help the man, tending his wounds, putting him on his donkey, bringing him to the inn, paying for his care, and promising to pay whatever else was necessary for him to recover. It would have come as an utter shock to the lawyer and to Jesus' audience that the hero of the story would be a Samaritan. The Samaritans were ancient enemies of the Jews. They were hated, reviled, and yet Jesus makes him the example for others. We might have expected the priest to be the one to help the man or the Levite as a religious leader, but it was the Samaritan who showed the way. In the end, Jesus turns the question back to the lawyer, which of these was a neighbor to the one on the side of the road? The lawyer who can't even bear to say the word Samaritan, says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Professor Amy Jill Levine, who is a Jewish scholar of the New Testament at Vanderbilt, writes about this parable in her book, 
short stories by Jesus, the enigmatic parables of a controversial rabbi. And our understanding of Judaism is very helpful in understanding these stories in their time and for our time. She writes about how Christians have tended to interpret this text that when the priest and the Levi walked by on the other side, they were doing it in order to maintain their ritual purity as part of their religious roles. It doesn't justify passing the, Samar- the, the, the man on the side of the road by, but it makes it somehow more explainable what they did. And that's an interpretation that I have grown up with and been familiar with and have used. It even appears in the footnotes of one of my study Bibles. However, she says that this is a misunderstanding of Judaism and the Hebrew Scriptures. She says that, if anything, they were more obligated to help the one on the side of the road. She writes, Our priest is an ordinary priest who does what is all too ordinary. He fails to act when he should. To follow the Torah, the priest should have checked to see if the man was alive, and finding him alive should have helped him. Should he have discovered a corpse, he should have covered it and then immediately gone for help. The law required that both men attend to the fellow in the ditch, whether alive or dead, for one is to love the neighbor and love the stranger both. Their responsibility was to save a life, and they failed. Saving a life is so important that Jewish law mandates that it override every other concern, including keeping the Sabbath. So the people who passed by were the most obligated to help. They knew the law better than anyone. They knew better, and yet they passed by on the other side. On this Reconciling in Christ Sunday, it's important to acknowledge that those who should know better, the church, have for too long passed by on the other side when it has come to the queer community. We know that in Matthew 22, Jesus, replying to another lawyer, said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. That is the entirety of Scripture. Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself, as you would want to be loved. And yet, we know that the church has, in so many ways, passed by on the other side. It's blamed, shamed, shunned, and traumatized queer people. It has stood by as others have used its theology and Scripture to do profound harm. It has not shown the courage or boldness to say affirmatively that the LGBTQIA plus community are God's beloved people made in the image of God, that God loves them, and so do we. And for this, we repent. But this church made a decision a few years ago to begin a journey together, the reconciling in Christ journey, so that we could be bold in our welcome and really mean it, really live it, and commit ourselves to growing as a church and being more welcoming, loving, inclusive, and celebrating all people as God's beloved children. We said together as a church, we will not pass by. We will not walk away. We will not abandon the queer community. We will offer a different kind of Christian witness. And what a blessing this has been. What flourishing 
we have seen. What joy to welcome and baptize, to bless and be blessed, to experience a fuller understanding of God's expansive love as we love God and love one another and love our neighbor. We hear in so many ways from so many people what Steve and Melissa beautifully shared with us this morning. We came because we want an inclusive, welcoming, and loving safe space for our kids, for our family, for anyone and everyone. And I want to thank everyone for being part of this journey together, for making this possible, by showing kindness, by going out of your way to welcome, by wearing a bracelet or a pin, attending educational events and asking good questions and sharing your stories, showing up to bride events, getting one of the t-shirts we have, advocating for our kids, lifting your prayers, and so many other ways that you let God's love shine through. I feel that we are more of what God intends for us to be together, and I think you can feel it. And I want to thank the queer members of our church, their families, and those who advocate for them. Given the history of the church, it takes so much courage for somebody who's queer just to step inside a church, to let yourself be seen and known, to make yourself vulnerable in a way that most of us have never experienced, to place your trust in an institution that has excluded you and let you down so many times before, to put your trust in me, in us, to live up to who we say we are and what we believe for sharing your stories and your patience, for your loving correction, for speaking your truth, for helping us grow in our empathy for others, and helping nurture and lead this community in so many ways, and leading and teaching, caring and praying, serving, and so much more. And in this, I can't help but think of how the Samaritan, who was the other, the dismissed, the derided person in the story, was the one to show mercy the one who became an example for the rest of us. And you have done that. You have shown mercy and shown love and shown strength and caring and shown us who we can be together. And I'm grateful. On this RIC Sunday, we give thanks for this transforming love. And we commit ourselves to continue to grow and learn and love and say together, we will not pass by. Finally, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about this parable of the Good Samaritan in his final speech, his I Have Been to the Mountaintop speech on April 3, 1968, the night before he was assassinated. And this is what he said about it. He said, But I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that these men were afraid. And so the first question that the priest and Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Not what will happen to me if I do, but what will happen to him if I don't. He wisely points out the ways in which we can make helping others about us. But the Samaritan knew it wasn't about him. It was about the one who was in need. And just so, the journey that we are on is not about what will happen to me. What if I mix up all the letters and get them in the wrong order? 
Not, what if I find myself in an awkward conversation or feel out of my element or I can't quote the Bible like some other people? And all those things that can hold us back from showing up for others. All the ways that we can make it about us. But what will happen to them if we don't? For we know that these are scary and dangerous times for the queer community. As a parent of queer kids, I am continually worried for their well-being and their safety, and so disturbed by the hate and vitriol that's swirling all around them in our culture. The question is not what will happen to us if we extend ourselves to help, but what will happen to them if we don't, if we don't bear witness, if we don't advocate and widely welcome. King said, Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand with a greater determination. On this RIC Sunday, let us rise up with greater readiness to welcome, to love, and to include. Let us stand with greater determination to live God's greatest commandments, to not pass by, to say and live together that God loves you and so do we. Amen.